Hey, you're listening to the Creative Pep Talk Podcast. We help you build a thriving creative career. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza! You can stay up to date with all things Creative Pep Talk by following me on Instagram at Andy J. Pizza. Let's jump into today's episode. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Yushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new Fluid Engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it, got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him like, you should go check it out. You're gonna be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was gonna tell you about this new site anyway. Go check it out, anyjpizza.com if you wanna see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. Just a quick heads up for parents who are trying to protect their children from salty language. There's a little bit of spicy words in this one. Consider yourself warned. This episode is for when you're feeling hopeless, (laughs) when you're feeling that spinning feeling, spinning out of control as your hope goes down the drain. Why? Because it's halfway through the year. And about this time is when we've set our goals at the beginning of the year, set our aspirations in motion, what we hope for in this year, and most of them have not panned out. And when that happens, the temptation is to just you know, wipe it all away and just be like, I didn't really want any of that stuff anyway. Uh, right. And just be like, all right, maybe next year, this year sucks. This is about the time of the year. Everybody starts piling on how bad this particular year is compared to all other years. And it gives us an excuse to just wallow in our sorrows and not make any progress and put off all progress until next year. So here's what we're going to do to fight that hopelessness, grabbing hold and ruining the back half, back half of this year. We're going to recap. We're going to review. We're not. We're going to re- 
you know, we're going to refuse to just wipe clean the first six months of this year. We're going to look back at them. We're going to learn from them and we're going to recalibrate, reset our targets, come up with new strategies and make the back half of this year count. So I feel like at the start of the year, putting all these aspirations on a year, it's kind of like the year is a wall and all these aspirations, your creative career aspirations for the year are the paintings that you want to hang on the wall, the wall of 2019. This is what I'd like to put up there. You know, maybe you got one of those walls with the mosaic kind of vibe of all the frames and little cute doodads and maybe one of the things isn't a frame it's a little uh, key that you hang from a from a nail but <laughs> that's it like you got this huge wall blank wall blank canvas you have this you know you got your pinterest boards you got your mood board you're like i know i want to have all these different things hung up on the wall that is 2019 and so you get started now here's the thing for me i'm not handy which I know is a surprise because my name is Andy and it would be so perfect if it was Handy Andy. Hey, why don't we call up Handy Andy to hang a few pictures on the wall? Yeah, do that if you want uh, your walls to be ruined because I am not handy. Uh, I am just a disaster when it comes to home improvements of any kind, including hanging a painting on the wall. If I go to hang a painting on a wall or secure a dresser to the wall, I'm going to usually, you know that thing they say like measure twice, cut once? Well, I put 10 holes in the wall for one that works. That's not, it's not the same thing, but that's my method. And I, it gives me so much anxiety when I know I have to do something handy in my house. I'm a homeowner and I get all this anxiety because I know that I suck at it. But every once in a while when I'm forced, my back's up against the wall and I gotta fix a dresser to the wall or I gotta hang up some artwork or what have you, you know, I will like get, I'll get pepped up, I'll get focused, I'll be like, this time's gonna be different. And I just, and I, you know, I try everything and I have all my hopes like, you know what, I've put in a lot of time in this, I've made a lot of failures and that's what, you know, they say, failure is the, is the route to success. I must be getting more handy, right? And so I go and I'm th I got a big painting, so I need to put a, a screw in the wall into the stud. And so I get my stud finder out. I'm putting it on the wall. And it's beep, 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 beep. I'm like, that's the stud, baby. And I go get the screw out, get the drill out. And that's the sound of a screw spinning in the drywall because I didn't find the stud. And so I do it again and again and again. And now my wall looks like Swiss cheese. And this is about the time I'm starting to get angry and say choice words. And Sophie, my wife, comes in and is like, everything okay? And then she sees the wall and looks away in disgust of like, what are you doing to my home? And I'm like, I tried everything. I watched YouTube videos. I looked for the stud 18 times. I measured 45 times and drilled once. And it's still a freaking disaster. And I tell you what, when... I see that the screw is spinning instead of going into a plank of wood and it's spinning in the drywall, I start spinning. 
I start spinning out of control. My self-worth goes down the drain. I see that spinning screw, and it's not unlike seeing the spinning wheel when you're working on your computer, maybe in Photoshop, Illustrator, After Effects, whatever. You're working away. You're in this... You're, ah, you're in the hope of, oh my gosh, this thing's going so well. It's exciting. I'm feeling fantastic. Like, this is amazing. Oh, what if I just did that? Oh, you know what? What if I just move this here? Right? Boom, spinning wheel of death. And you're like, oh gosh. And ev- all of those warm feelings just go straight down the drain. When you're, when you're going along and you got these goals and you're excited about the year and excited about what comes next, it's, it feels kind of, it's warm and fuzzy. Like, uh, you know, you're full of hope for your future. It's like a nice, warm, fuzzy hot tub. And you're just, ah, this feels fantastic. And then all of a sudden, you open the mail, and there it is, an enormous, unexpected health bill. You open the mail, an enormous, unexpected tax bill. You... You open your inbox, that project, that opportunity that you were up for that was your big break that was going to change everything, you find out you didn't get picked. That product launch, that post you put on Instagram, you had high hopes. You told all your friends, this is the best thing I've ever made. I'm going to put it on there. Just wait till you see what happens. And nobody cares. Maybe you posted it at the wrong time. The Instagram algorithm didn't show up and help you out. No one showed up. No one bought your product. And all of a sudden, that nice, warm, fuzzy hot tub, the hopes for your future It starts to swirl. Someone pulled the plug on your hopes and dreams, and you're you're panicking. You're looking around. This isn't a hot tub. This is a toilet. I'm going down the drain. And you know that feeling when when the rug gets pulled from under you, and it's just like a cold sweat panic of you thought everything was going to be okay. You had high hopes. You had big goals. And all of them went away in a second. And that feeling is your hope going down the drain. And it will jack up your motivation. It will jack up you hitting targets. It'll jack up your self-worth. And imagine how hard it is. If you somehow managed to survive the toilet hot tub, how hard it is to get back in another hot tub, how hard it is to get your hopes up again, how hard it is to set new goals. And that's why I think halfway through the year, if we didn't hit our targets, it's so easy to be like, look, I just need six months to recover from six months of not succeeding. And so here's my encouragement fight through the fear get in another hot tub today we're gonna look over this wall full of holes that is the past six months and we're not we're gonna resist the urge to clean it all up right away and we're gonna learn from it we're gonna recalibrate we're gonna reach out we're gonna step back we're gonna step up we're gonna look under we're gonna poke at it we're gonna scratch it we're gonna sniff it it's a scratch and sniff year <laughs> what's happening no i promise it it's gonna be good let's get to number one <laughs> 
So the temptation when you're looking at this wall of shame, this Swiss cheese wall, is just to wipe it clean, right? Is just be like, okay, let's just paint over this and start again tomorrow. But I want you to just pause and sit in it for a minute because, you know, the first thing is that if you wipe away all the mistakes, you're just bound to make the same ones again. Like, if you wipe all these things away before you get the screw in the wall that's actually in the stud and hitting your mark, then you're likely to just do the same stupid stuff over and over again. So the first thing I want you to do is, number one, review. So I'll give you an example of this. My running goal for the year, I was trying to get back into running this year, and I have this brilliant plan. I thought, look, we'll make it really easy, simple. You know, it's not about length of the run, time of the run, nothing. I just want to get out there and get into the habit. So I just need to run 50 times this year. It's a little bit less than once a week. I can totally hit that target, totally doable. That'll be, it'll be perfect. Guess how many runs I've gone on this year? 13. (laughs) So I'm on pace to get a little bit over halfway of my goal and uh, nothing really changed much. The strategy that I had just didn't work. It just, it actually wasn't challenging enough. It didn't require enough discipline. I felt like I could always catch back up. I can do two runs in a week and be totally on pace. And that just ended up making me push it back and push it back and push it back. And by sitting there and looking at, okay, I'm on pace to run 26 times this year, and that's really not gonna cut the mustard. How am I gonna? Uh, how am I gonna recalibrate my goal? How am I gonna change my strategy so that I can do what I ultimately wanted, which was to get back into running? And so the first thing I want you to do is just go back. You might even not have made specific goals, but I'm sure you had aspirations for what this year would hold. Go back to December, January, and think about what was I hoping to accomplish this year. Now, the cool thing about this is not only that you get to sit in your shame for a little bit, but you also get to see the things that have happened this year. Because I have a sense that we cling to our failures more than our success. We, you know, there's some ways this year that some of the things that I thought I had already accomplished had come back to bite me in the butt. And, and, and some of the things I thought, oh, I, I'm totally crushed that goal from two years ago, came back and be like, oh, you didn't actually even achieve what you thought you did. And that, those feelings are very overwhelming and they pull the plug on our hope hot tub and uh, we, we go down the drains pretty quick. But one of the other things that happened as I sat and I reflected over this year, not only did I find that I need to reinvigorate some strategy for growing the podcast and, and growing my illustration practice and books and, and my running and all that, I also realized that some of the things that I thought were impossible for this year have started to happen. Some of the goals that I thought, oh, that's completely far-fetched, those things actually happen. And by just sitting in it, refusing to wipe it away, I realized, A, yes, I need to re-strategize and recalibrate, but B, I don't need to be as down on this year as maybe I am inclined to every halfway through every year. And so the first thing I want you to do is just, this is not that strategic, it's just do a little quick review and it'll help us do the next couple steps. So the second thing you want to do is recalibrate. So if you're using a stud finder, you're using one of these electromagnetic 
electronic stud finders. You're putting it against the wall, and it's beep, 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 right? One of those things. I would love to just take four or five minutes and just beep, 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 You know that thing, the beep, 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 that stud finder. Here's the thing about it. If you use it too long or you kind of take it off the wall slightly or whatever, it can kind of get jacked up and give you some false readings. And you need to recalibrate it. You need to turn it off, turn it back on, move it around. Why are you listening to me about handy stuff? I don't know what I'm talking about. The truth is you need to change your approach if you're not getting the objectives you're looking for. You need to change your actions. And for the longest time, I was using these stupid electronic stud finders, and they are all jacked up, giving me the wrong results. I had to go do some extra research. I had to go find out that every real handyman swears by the magnetic, non-electric stud finders that just find, they take a little bit more effort, a little more grind, a little more hustle, but because uh, you got to go all over the place, but they will cling to nails that are in the wall that are in the studs. And so once you find one of those and the stud finder will just hang there, you know that is where a stud is. And this is the art of recalibration. And you can't do it without a little review, okay? So at the beginning of this year, we did three episodes on goal setting, 222 to 224. It was our uh, Call the Midwife, Dr. Pizza episodes. And we talked about the power of setting a key objective for the year, a domino, that if you hit it, this is from the book The One Thing by Jay Papazan and uh, Gary Keller. I talk about it all the time because it's one of the most important books in my career. But they talk about this domino effect where you pick your key objective should be a domino that if you knock it over, everything you want to achieve is either done or easier to do. And so at the beginning of the year, we said, let's set this key objective. And then we say, what's the key action? What's the thing that if I do this thing, I'm likely to move the needle towards hitting this objective? So I told you that when I wanted to grow the podcast and I said I want to be at X amount of listens per episode – The thing I knew that moved the needle was guesting on other podcasts. And so the key action that I would take, that was a key result, but the key action I would take would be pitching to be on other podcasts. And I would just email after email after email to find the right fits for me to guest on their show, right? So here's the thing though. Halfway through this year, you might find that guesting on other people's podcasts doesn't move the needle as much as it used to. And if you go back and review, you can actually see some unexpected thing lent towards moving the needle on the objective. You can go back through your Instagram. If you're an illustrator or a photographer, you can go back and you can actually, if you have a business Instagram, and if you don't, you can just go back manually. But otherwise, if you have a, uh, a business Instagram, you can go back through the insights in your profile and you can go find the activity. And you can go look at content and you can say, you know, you can go search through a bunch of different things. So I can, you know, likes or something, but comments are bigger to me. So you can go back over the past six months, apply, look at the comments. What, what were things that really got your audience to engage? What are, the, what are the surprising things? Another one I like to look at is shares. So if you go back down to, if you set your 
uh, target to shares, you can see what are the things that I did and made that people felt so much resonance and, and so much uh, – they felt it was so much part of their identity that they had to share it with friends. And so you're going to look back through there. You're going to see what are the things that move the needle on these Instagram goals. Or maybe you're a musician and you thought – being on Spotify playlist, that's going to be the thing that moved the needle. But you r realize that the thing that actually was the biggest inflection point was when that influencer shared your song on Instagram. And so if that's true, if you can shift and recalibrate, maybe the objective stays the same, maybe you even need to alter the objective slightly, but then change your key actions. If getting on Spotify playlist didn't actually do anything, but the influencer thing did, you can actually change your whole strategy to making these connections with Instagram influencers. If that was the case, you might want to uh, swap a plug. <laughs> Pull the plug on the hope top, hope, hop to hot tub, hope tub. The but swap this doesn't have anything to do with the hot tub hope tub, but I like talking about it. But you could uh go to people of similar stature in your social media following and people that you believe in, people that you want other people to know about, and approach them and say, Hey, I'm trying to get the word out about this project I'm doing, this thing I'm doing. Uh, would you be interested in? sharing it with your community. I'd love to put something you're doing on blast because I love what you're doing. I believe in what you're doing. And I, and by the way, only do that with people that you really feel that way about because the trust of your audience and the connection to your audience is paramount. It is, it is what the whole freaking game is about, building that trust and building that bond and connection. But if you, there's tons of artists out there that I so am freaking crazy about what they do. I want more people to celebrate it and I would be totally up for swapping that out. You know what, man? Like, here's the thing. Everybody wants to grow their practice. Everybody wants to uh, push the needle on their creative business. Like, we've, I don't be afraid of taking a risk with people that are in perfect alignment with you by doing some of these business strategies, even though they might seem a little uncool. You'd be blown away by how badly other people want to be celebrated too. If you say, hey, I, you could even do more research and go check out their stuff and see what they're all about right now and say, hey, I am I just saw this thing that you're making. I'm pumped about it. I want to... Uh, I want to plug it to my audience. Would you be interested in kind of swapping promotion and cross-pollinating like a couple of uh, bumblebees on Instagram? But whatever it is, go look back, review what worked, what didn't work, recalibrate, look at that objective, see what actions actually move the needle and change your key actions and set up a plan for the rest of the year. not believe me but I'm an introvert and uh, when I'm putting together some Ikea furniture this sounds like it's still part of the ads it's not <laughs> we're not sponsored by Ikea but I'm putting together some Ikea furniture you get that little booklet out and it shows you a picture and it's like I'd cross through the little character putting this thing together on his own and then it's like a happy face with having a friend come over 
and help you put this together because you need two people to do this. And I imagine all introverts everywhere just see that picture and be like, <laughs> that's hilarious. Put together furniture with another person. What a freaking nightmare. There's like, I hate putting together furniture anyway, let alone make it some kind of group activity. Oh, golly. But the truth is, if you're going to hang up some artwork on the wall, it's pretty difficult to do it effectively by yourself. You need someone, you need, you're so close up against your wall, the year that you're living. You, you know, you got to hold the artwork up against the wall. It's pretty hard to have the perspective to see if it's aligned, if it's in the right space, if it feels right, if it's if it's uh, tilted to the side. You need somebody. You need to call Sophie in, my, your, your wife. My well, she's my wife, and say, "Hey, how does this look, hon? Is this the right thing?" She says, "No, you freaking idiot. That's halfway down the wall." And um, she doesn't really say that, but but you need someone else. You need to reach out. Uh, to get, you know, the, you can review, you can recalibrate, but if you really are looking for a breakthrough, I highly recommend reaching out to someone, to a mentor, even a peer mentor, to help you get some perspective that you didn't know that you needed because you don't know what you don't know, right? So I did this. We have a special treat on the episode to, to, today. We have one of my mentors go shrimp aka dan bandit aka the wildcat out in the vermont woods making creative stuff with the ghost scouts uh if you don't know go shrimp is the original background designer for the show adventure time this is the guy that invented jake and finn's fort okay that's him among other things, but he he created this mystical world, and so uh, that that Jake and Finn lived in. So I met him a few years ago. Episode one hundred and two. It's in the show notes. I did an interview with Ghost Shrimp. I know lots of people uh, who have kept that on their phone, have listened to it multiple, multiple times, and it just jazzes you up because he's got so much energy. We both have ADHD, which is always an explosive time, but he's also a freaking creative genius. And you know, I connected with him recently. We just wanted to chat. We threw on the recorder on Skype um, just so that we didn't lose any uh, fire, and so I could also go and review it. And it was in. In this conversation, I realized, you know, I always looked, he was always an inspiration to me, but I realized this guy is like a creative mentor to me. When I'm off the phone with this guy, I'm more uh, invigorated to be my true self, to find my path, to push into my calling. I always get these big breakthroughs and I have so much to learn from this guy. And, you know, he, by his own admission, has learned different things from me and inspired by me, but that's not really important. Um, what is important is reaching out. This this conversation with Ghost Shrimp freaking lit me on fire. We weren't planning on releasing this to the public, so the quality is not amazing, but I have been so freaking on fire since I had this conversation and there was so many amazing takeaways that I have to share it with you. So I hope you can excuse the fidelity issues, but I think you're going to be oh so on fire for the back half of this year. Here he is, the legend, the myth, the man, go shrimp, Dan Bandit. Here we are. One more thing. So the quality on my side is worse than his, and he does most of the talking, so just excuse that. And then also, 
we're going to drop into a part of our conversation we're talking about how he uses all these details and his backgrounds to tell the story of his character and a lot of those details come from his own life but then he starts talking about how he tries to push his imagination and shout out to mel forsyth a friend of mine uh she started me thinking about this metaphor of narnia as a way to think about human potential and i turned that into a metaphor for the way to use your brain so thanks mel all right here it is i grew up and continue to have recurring dreams that all take place in like this fantasy version of my childhood like forest and stuff so like Ah. i'm basically just like trying to translate that to paper in like adventure time and like a lot of the illustration stuff that i do too and then and then of course adventure time had all of its inputs that i could you know run through that and just kind of but one of my favorite things to do was just kind of like sit there and come up with a bunch of really random ideas and try to work them in too that had nothing to do with anything like and that that's no, where just I think, off the top of your head yeah that's like, where i yeah, think it, yeah. cause you start to juxtapose that with the stuff that you do know what it is i think it's always uh-huh. super powerful to have stuff that like you recognize has some meaning but you don't know what it is and it starts to create oh, yeah. a, like it's creating a narrative but you don't even know exactly where that narrative goes or comes from that to me is like the solid gold stuff like the just like I the, completely agree like the non sequitur stuff that somehow ties into everything so I would always be kind of going for that it's what I call like the story beyond the story like I don't even know what's happening yeah. here but as it's coming into my mind the images are making me laugh or or go whoa what's that or it's spooky or some kind of like that thing that's that's things i always talk about is how do you like i love to that idea of creating mystery and intrigue in the work and feeling that way when i'm doing it like this is mysterious and intriguing to me like you know that's what i know yeah that's amazing i i love that uh you know one thing i try to encourage people to do and i try to lean into in my work is like uh you know 10 years ago when i started uh, making the characters and stuff that I'm making now, there were all these like intuitive things that I had, it was doing it for me, but I didn't know why it was doing it. And I feel like when you're, you have that intuitive taste thing, you don't know whether it's uh bullshit or whether you should lean into it, yeah. you know, and you're, yeah. and I think that idea that, uh, well, not only it's really exciting to not know why it's doing it for you. Cause it's writing itself as you're saying, uh, but also trusting like there's gold there. If you're feeling it on a visceral level, you should keep digging there because it means there's something there, even yeah. if you don't know what it is. Yeah, totally. Uh, and I freaking, yeah, I'm all about that. And I also think that other thing you're talking about, I keep thinking about this. Uh, I keep thinking about this metaphor of uh, Narnia where, you know, a lot of people use their brain creatively like it's a wardrobe, which is like all this old stuff, like, and all the stuff from your past and all that stuff's really valuable. You know, all your lived experiences, those that's really uh, valuable, but if you like push on the back of this wardrobe, you can bust through and now you're getting into the fantasy realm and you're getting, you're making up universe. And like, uh, I, yeah, the mixture of that is I think, um, and I, even now I hadn't even thought about how, when you go to the camp and you go into the uh, cabins and all the paraphernalia of just different, all these different like things you, you know, people are eating with and drawing with and, and magazines. And like, I feel like 
it's I never even thought about how much that looks like one of your drawings. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, that's what that was my idea is kind of like having like drawing something and then like building it and then drawing off of that and then building off of that and like to this 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 idea that you're you know like like we talked about in the when you were here the idea that yeah. like having creativity just permeate your whole lifestyle and your life and what that means to really go not just that i'm like an artist but i'm a creative animal and my whole habitat yeah. is gonna inhabit yeah. the i'm gonna fill my habitat with as much creativity as possible and that to me is always like where where the most happiness lies and and i think what makes it really magical about camp is like i always talk about how we're like supercharging the forest with all this creative energy and like all the past things that have gone on here and yeah all those little artifacts that speak to it and and just the layers and layers of 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 that that we've had throughout the years Um, yeah, yeah. Whenever someone asks me to like teach them a technique that I do in my artwork, yeah, I'm always kind of a little bit disheartened because I'm like, I'm not sure you're understanding the point. It's not that learning techniques can be a powerful thing and yeah. it's a good thing to do in your journey, but ultimately, uh, everything I'm ever trying to teach is this is how you these this is the philosophy of going about finding your own yeah. authentic yeah. techniques and, 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 you know, but that goes into, um, I guess my point is how do you, cause you've done a lot of teaching and, uh, you know, working with people, have you encountered people that are delude, you know, delusional and that they're tricking themselves into thinking they're being authentic or they're, but they're not really listening to their heart or what practices, have you found anything that was helpful to get people into that true thread of intuition rather than mimicking someone else's path or whatever? Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And the, the, I mean, the way that I approach that is to, I mean, I've never really tried to teach a technique unless someone asks me like, how do you color pieces in Photoshop or something? Sure. And then I have like a really basic method that I do, you know, that's super simple that I'll share with them, but I'm never trying to teach tech techniques. I'm always just talking about mindset and attitude and work ethic. And then, you know, one of the things that I'm always talking about is creating that personal mythology, diving deep into those experiences that, you know, are the touchstones for you and always pushing for a unique vibe to your work, unique thoughts in your work and a unique look to your work. So, you know, not everybody, of course, you know, doing whatever five rounds of the workshop that I've done and, you know, had a whole bunch of students go through there. There's definitely a whole spectrum of what people get out of it and, and, and where their work is at the time and, and their evolution through the workshop and, and all that. But, you know, I think it's just a journey for everybody. I mean, part of it, it always starts with, you know, copying stuff that you like, that you're inspired yeah. by, and then, Definitely. you know, and then getting some feedback on that and then kind of pushing it in a more unique direction. And then, you know, and then just, you know, seeing really how far you can take it, you know? So, yeah, I don't know. I think it's just, yeah, always, I always definitely preach like one of the most important things for me when I was coming out of school was like, I really wanted my work to be unique. You know, that was my yeah. main thing. And I had this voice in my head that was like, the weirder you make it, the more people will 
like it and not just like weird for weird sake but like weird like i am you know just like like just, it feels good yeah, to just you like We're let like, it yeah. go like let whatever weird shit is in your head fucking let it go and see what happens you know and and so that was you know that was the kind of real beginning point for me as a unique visual artist and that's definitely what I stress the most, you know, but that doesn't mean that there yeah. aren't people in my workshop that are like drawing exactly like me and stuff like that, you know, but sure, like, yeah. and people, sometimes people are like, Oh, don't you hate it when people bite your style or whatever? And I'm like, well, number one, I think, you know, it doesn't really matter. Everybody starts out biting and like it, if that, I, I, that's I, completely true, everybody starts out biting and, and your style should also be evolving all the time. So like if someone's coming along and doing, doing what I do better than me, then it's not mine anymore. It's theirs. So like, yeah, that's I a need problem. to be, I need to be always evolving my stuff. But, and, and because I have that mindset, I'm like, all they can do is copy what I've done. No one can copy what I'm about to do next because do I don't it, even yeah. know what that is. And I'm going to be pushing for something. I'm going to be pushing for that breakthrough. So like, yeah, that is know. such a, I love that mentality. That is such a, that's so accurate and cuts through so much of the bullshit of the way that people think about yeah, style. Like, oh, that's style. amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, no, style is an always evolving thing. Sure, you can see the lineage. You can see where it came from. You can see the steps to it. But you always want to be keeping it fresh, having fun. And, you know, that, that mentality of, like, sit down and try to make your best piece every time. Try to make a breakthrough every time. And you won't get it every time, but with that mindset, you'll get it every third or fourth piece. You'll get yes. an amazing discovery that will get you super pumped up and jacked up, and that will make the people following your work get super Feel jacked up, too. And, like, you know, if someone's drawing like me, hey, you know what? They're drawing. So that's a win. Like, yeah. I want creativity to spread in the world. I think that's, like, the most me powerful too. thing that like humans have so like like i could care less if someone draws exactly like me hey i'm just glad they're drawing and having fun with it and i think that that will lead them eventually to their own thing too you know because i God, know that, that, that happens so for refreshing me. yeah, yeah uh, i think it's I so silly when people get worried about it and like yeah i don't know i i never well, i never vibed on that i was just always more concerned i don't want my stuff to look like other people's stuff but i yes. don't care if you know, you know, is I don't care if you like my stuff and you want to draw. That's flattering to me. That's amazing. I'm like, wow. Like, cause I remember drawing X-Force characters and shit. And like, you yeah, know, like to think yeah. that, to think that I have a career that people actually look at my work and, and, and want to copy it. Like, that's amazing to me. So, you know, I uh, think it's just inspiring in both ways. The th I've been thinking a lot about how to explain my views on, on originality. And I've kind of, kind of come up with two things of, there's two kind of reasons why we need original. So first of all, I don't believe, I believe creativity is about meaning making. So making meaning out yeah, of our existence. Totally. And I don't think it's about, I don't think the purpose of creativity is originality, but I do think that it's an ingredient that makes for good uh, creativity. And I think that there's two reasons why one of them I think is pure. And the other one I think is, kind of uh, a, a just situational. So I feel like the, the pure reason we need originality is because like in the same way that words get overused and they become meaningless yeah. and you need new words yeah. to bring freshness to, a, to meaning, we need a new take on stuff so that we can connect to the old, you know, the meaning that's always been part of our universe. So we need that fresh perspective. And I think that that's a really pure reason why everybody and everybody has different experiences. So you need to, um, that, that, that freshness to your own particular voice 
is part of the end goal of creating meaning with your work. But then the other, the kind of less pure version, and I think it's the reason why most people get hung up about originality, is because we live in a capitalistic society, which means in order to make money from what you do, someone has to get credit, and that's where copyright comes from. And so I think, and and so I think if you, now I'm not saying this is possible, but let's say uh, in a utopian existence, uh, where everybody has every need taken care of, if our real goal is creativity flourishing, then uh, we sh- the best case scenario for that is all of us sharing and making stuff together, and that has the potential to push creativity to its limits. Yeah. If that was our real goal, that's, that's what I think, uh, you know, I don't think that we would be, I think the only reason we would be valuing originality is to keep it fresh. Yeah. And keep, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, man, I, I, I so freaking love that. It seems like some people, uh, the template is a more comfortable fit for certain people. Yeah. And so even if it's not really their calling or their journey or what they want, they can assimilate to the degree where it's actually so much more comfortable for them to, to accept that rather than reject it. And I think for me, even like, as we're talking, I'm realizing that uh, maybe my real turning point was after school, after having some advertising illustration jobs and, you know, it seemed like maybe I could just get by with a semi-normal career. Uh, and then the recession hit and blogs dried up and all that crap. And I ended up getting in this spot where I've talked about on the podcast a bunch where I'm like (laughs) a lot of times, like laying face down on the living room floor, like, what am I going to do with my life? And I think that's where I started this daily drawing project where it was 100% pure based on what I really wanted, what I really cared about ever since I was a kid. And, uh, and I think that that's where, uh, that's where the journey I'm on now leads. And I think even back then, I think even though it was an illustration project, it was actually, uh, a much bigger, there were much bigger aspirations that are only maybe coming to fruition now in terms of storytelling and stuff. And I think, uh, I don't know, I had no reason to believe that that stuff would pay off. Yeah. It was just literally a trusting thing. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes perfect sense. Cause one of the biggest things that I believe is that you, you don't, you underestimate your capabilities and they only really ever come out once your back is up against the wall. And at that point, your back was up against the wall. When I broke my feet, my back was up against the wall. Now, if your back's not up again, if life isn't putting your back up against the wall, you need to go out and put yourself in a situation where your back's up against the wall. And like, and I've done that a lot in my life in, in quitting adventure time and moving into my first, you know, taking it, you know, doing the, doing the thing of moving into my first cabin, uh-huh. really challenging to see if I, I had this intuition that I wanted to live in the woods and do this, do it yourself lifestyle, but no experience of it. So, you know, diving into that and it was very weird and like, and like disorienting. And there was times where I felt like, what am I doing? You know, I just graduated college and I'm out here in a tent in the woods. Like, what the fuck yeah. am I trying? to accomplish here you know like literally like crying like i don't know anything about building like what am i doing like it's raining it's like raining on me i don't have the tools i need like i don't know what i'm doing like how does this relate to my illustration career but i just had this like 
intuition and this calling, like, this is all I want to do, though. So fuck, man, I better fucking buckle down and do it, you know? And those are those character building things. Like, I think that's something that's maybe was more prevalent in the old days or like maybe that's just like a romantic idea about it. But like, I feel like people did more things just to build character. Like, you know, like sometimes like the like the the like the the stoic male uh character is like uh-huh. maybe maybe doesn't have the the best rap these days but like sure. i think there is something to be said about being like you like you go out there and you figure out what you're made of you put yourself in a situation where you're going to figure out what you're really made of and and i did that with going in my first cabin i did that with the thing on with going out to work at cartoon network for adventure time i did that big time quitting adventure time and moving with my brand new family into the into a new place to live in the middle of the woods and start from scratch I mean that was the most insane thing that I've ever done and and really still doing it I mean I'm still really right in the middle of that story um yeah you know so but yeah I think I think that's a big thing and I tell people that all the time you got to go out and build your legend you gotta you gotta you can't wait for shit to come to you go out and build your legend, throw yourself. And this fits in perfectly with the whole thing you were saying about going to Denmark and stuff. It's like, you got to go, man, I'm not going to be the person that I'm, I'm I'm not going to have any reason to become the person that I want to be. If I'm in my comfort zone, it's like, it's like kids that are spoiled. They have no reason to get up and work for anything. Well, you can also spoil yourself. I think most people spoil themselves with comfort, but you go, wait a minute, but is that really your goal? Does that have anything to do with your goals? Is your main goal just to be comfortable and like, you know, look like you're doing well to the people around you? Or is your main goal to be in the process of like building an awesome character and an awesome story and an awesome legend and like having the time of your life along the way, you know, like, so that's always been the thing. And I think that's, you know, maybe the, maybe the answer to the question is like, yeah, if, if life isn't putting you up against the wall at this very moment, then make a plan to do that for yourself, you know, and, and really go, put put a big goal in front of yourself and put you put yourself in a situation where it's sink or swim you know yeah like move out of your parents house you know make a make a thing where it goes wow if this doesn't work i'm fucked you know like when i went to california it was like man if this doesn't work i'm fucked and it almost didn't because i got fired at first and then i got rehired to work on adventure time so you know it's gonna be a bumpy ride and you gotta be up for it but it's like I mean, that's, that's, that is, that's every movie. No one watches a movie about some boring person that is a failure. I mean, I guess those are movies too, but like, that's why we all love Indiana Jones and all these epic, epic, you know, heroes quests is because, you know, you never know what's going to happen and it's, it's triumph and it's disaster and it's scary and it's romantic and it's all the things, but you got to be willing to go out there and do it. And, you know, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert or anything, you know, you still have to go in there and make it happen. You can't sit there and go, well, you know, I'm this type of person and, and, and I don't feel like it's, that's that's something that I would do. It's like, well, you know, maybe yeah. maybe go out and really see because you're probably underestimating yourself. I know that I've underestimated I've I've overestimated myself and underestimated myself yes, in equal yeah. measure. But you never know until you go out and try. You know, there's something great in overextending yourself and there's something really great at trying to do things that you're not good at but that you're called to do, you know, because that's 
that's like that's a real interesting thing because like I'm really good at drawing but I'm really bad at building so like this quest that I'm on is like this you know I'm like I'm an expert in this one thing that I that I should be doing probably all the time but I'm just called to do this other thing that I'm not necessarily good at and it's a real struggle but it builds character it equalizes my ego and it allows me this more level-headed vision about like life and what's meaningful and what matters because my whole my whole creative career even in college and stuff I woke up at 6 a.m every day got eight hours of sleep every night took a nap after lunch every day my whole career has been like that so my daily life is very like you know scheduled and routine and stuff I am taking care of myself you know I mean there's I've obviously done a lot of like reckless you know things along the way especially as a young especially as a young uh, young buck in the woods a young wildcat out here but uh but no I mean I'm always been it's always been in a very methodical way but I'm just doing really wacky stuff I'm following the things that I feel like are most important you know to to you know my creative and 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 just you know spiritual fulfillment I mean that's always been my thing is like I just I just want to draw what I want to draw what's the be- how do I build the best life around that you know so so yeah it's not like you have to be like up all night and like working two jobs no. and like doing insane shit it's like no but like you can you can let your mind I I feel like the hardest thing honestly is just for people to take the time and maybe now more than ever with all the distractions and addiction to cell phones and stuff like that but the hardest thing that seems for people to do is actually just sit down and actually put in the thought of who do I want to be where do I want to be what do I want to be doing and like what's the simplest way that I can get there you know right now what's the simplest way I can be living this dream life that I can get a foot in the door of this dream life right now not like not when i'm retired not this and that like what's the simplest version of it that i can get into right now and then i can use that to build upon you know so it's just yeah literally the hardest thing is always just sitting down and just kind of formulating a plan that you're hyped about and that you can instill enough confidence in you know and have the self-esteem to be like i'm gonna bet on myself here you know and i think that's the other half of the equation is the other hard part the first hard part is thinking about it the second hard part is having the self-esteem to invest in it you know especially when it's something wacky that other that people that you care about are like what are you doing again like you know that it's just to be like hey i'm fucking doing this maybe i'm gonna flame out but I, you know probably i will for half part of it but then i'm gonna learn something that's gonna get me a, a one step down that path Massive thanks to Go Shrimp for giving me the pep talk that I needed to reinvigorate me for the last half of this year. Uh, if you want to listen to that full conversation, stay tuned for details on how to do that at the end of this episode. But before we get there, I want to just leave you with a few thoughts. You know, they say that the there's a this phrase that says the the when the student is ready, the master will appear and uh, you know for the longest time my creative career I kind of felt annoyed uh, like I don't know like I've been mistreated because I felt like man where are my mentors I want sweet mentors to teach me the ropes I gotta learn all this crap by myself and uh, you know it was on this call with ghost shrimp that I was like Holy crap, this guy has been like my creative mentor over the past couple years. 
Like he's taught me how to reject mainstream reality that I was given and create my own path and be my true self and how to get deeper, dig deeper into my creativity to, you know, unearth all this, you know, deeper levels of stuff that I had never known how to do. And it was on that call I realized like, I've had a mentor this whole time. And so, you know, part of reaching out, part of this third step is humbling yourself and realizing that if you will have the right perspective, that you are surrounded by teachers. And so maybe this phrase of when the student is ready, the master will appear is less about like, okay, I'm ready for a mentor. And then some new character shows up on the spot. But maybe it's more like when the student is ready to humble themselves and shift their perspective and realize that everybody is their teacher, that in their world, they will realize that the master has always been there. And so who do you need to reach out to today? Who do you need to... uh, step back and look at you trying to hang up these masterpieces on the wall of your year to give you some perspective on how to straighten things up and how to approach this thing in a new way. Because the creative career path is a tricky one. I don't recommend lifting these heavy burdens without a creative career spotter, if you will. It's dangerous. You know, we're doing a bunch of work on my house. We're doing some renovations. And uh, part of that meant that we had to empty out the whole first floor. And I had to move my refrigerator. And I had kind of talked to some people about it. And they all kind of agreed, like, you can move a fridge. If you have the right kind of dolly that you can, like, strap the fridge to, you can actually move it by yourself. And it's not really a big deal. And so I borrowed the right kind of dolly. I got it all uh, strapped in and I started moving this fridge and I was like, holy crap, this is freaking intense. This feels almost dangerous, but everybody made out like I should be able to do this on my own. So I'm going to go ahead and just move this out the door anyway, even though I get a sense that this might be a dangerous task. Like I might be at risk of some real harm. But I was just like, look, if everybody else can do it, then I need to just, you know, make do and figure it out. And I did move it. I didn't get hurt, but it it was scary and it was intense. And uh, and I was like, holy crap! I don't want to move this back in. I'm going to ask my contractor if he can help me move it back in next time. And a week later, my contractor started moving the fridge, and he actually had to call in somebody else to help him move it. And I was like, hey, what the heck? What gives? You said uh, that I should be able to move this on my own. And he was like, yeah, I've moved thousands of fridges, and this is the heaviest fridge that I've ever moved. You shouldn't have moved it by yourself. Your fridge is heavier than anyone's fridge that I've ever moved. And here's the thing. 
you're looking out there at all these people in their creative career paths, doing their thing, doing it on their own, seemingly soaring without any creative career path spotters. But maybe, just maybe, your fridge is heavier than anyone else's. You don't know. They might have started with a, a trust fund. They might have had a leg up. They might have had an ante in the business that gave them an in. They might not have the same mental struggles you have and the mental health problems that you have to work through. Don't just sit around thinking, I should be able to move this. They, they did it. Other people do it just fine because you never know. You might have a heavier fridge than anyone else and there's no shame in admitting it if it feels like you're about to buckle under the pressure and get crushed by the weight of this burden please stop what you're doing whether you feel silly or not whether you feel like you should do it by yourself or you should be fine if you're not stop what you're doing review what's going on recalibrate and don't be afraid to reach out if you want to go check out that full conversation i had with go shrimp uh there's a whole bunch of other goodies in there that i couldn't we didn't have time to share on this episode go to patreon.com slash creative pep talk p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash creative pep talk you can go sign up if you sign up at the two dollar level two dollars per episode you'll get access to the creative peppy talks podcast which is uh, usually shorter versions or behind the scenes versions of uh, stuff we have on the show um, and, and extra doodads and all kinds of stuff but you can there's instructions in the posts of the Patreon to copy your personal RSS feed to your podcast app, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Google or whatever, um, and you can plug that in and it'll show up in your feed like any other podcast, but nobody else gets it except the creative pepperonis. So go check that out. Go check out hitrecord.org slash creative pep talk to get started on contributing for our listener-created episode. Me, you, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, we're all doing stuff to put together an amazing episode to celebrate five years and coming up on five million listens of the show. Uh, uh, Yeah, together. So go check that out. Don't forget about that. Thanks to Yoni Wolf and the band Y for our theme music. If you go to hitrecord.org slash talk, you can go listen to remixes of the theme song and also contribute your own contribute your own remixes with the stems of that song. Thank you, Y, for uh, contributing that way. Thanks to Alex Sugg and the band Alex Sugg <laughs> for, for uh, creating the soundtrack of this show that you're listening to right now. You can also go remix some of those tunes now for the for the episode. Thanks to Chris Graham Mastering for helping me make this show sound better because I'm a nerd and I don't know. I mean, I'm a, a goof who doesn't know much about sound and, and Chris Graham of Chris Graham Mastering helps me sort all that out. Thanks to all you guys for listening. Uh, and until we speak again, stay pepped up. <laughs>